So this conception of Krishna, the most beautiful, all beautiful, Krishna, all attractive. We don't find that in many of the religions of the world, do we? This conception, God being all beautiful, all attractive, the, the supreme magnet of uh, everyone's affection. We find so many other ideas in relationship to the supreme, but this idea that everything is drawn to God by his beautiful aspect is not uh, predominant in most of the religious conceptions of the supreme. They may touch upon it, but for the most part, the majority of religion is conducted under a conception of Lord is the supreme punishing authority. If you don't do right, there's going to be some some suffering on your part. But that goes on automatically in this material world. The, um, uh, the actions and reactions of, of our own activities determine our punishment. It's not that the Supreme Lord has to sit in judgment of us. Of course, just like any renegade child will be corrected by their loving parents. So similarly, the living entities within the material world who are here to enjoy through exploitation or to renounce everything on the material plane, naturally there is some force within the energy of the material realm to try to keep everybody on track. It's a natural consequence of the loving nature that is the foundation of all existence, both spiritual and material. Ultimately, if there is some correcting authority within the material energy, that correcting authority is there for our well-being because in an unhealthy condition, plagued by so many misconceptions of, of enjoyment through exploitation, we simply increase the illusion of our existence. We, we increase the amount of illusion we have as to ourselves being the predominator, the supreme. And that's what material existence is all about. I am the Supreme. This is the world where I can completely go with that thought to the max. No matter what I want, this world will give me some limited facility to pursue that mentality. And the mentalities of the living entity in relationship to that pursuit are varied. And as we study Bhagavad Gita, we know that those, those pursuits for enjoyment vary according to the influence of the three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. All those pursuits, whether they be in goodness, in passion, or ignorance, for establishment of ourselves as the supreme enjoyer are a misconception. That misconception interferes with self-realization, realizing our real self. 
So anything that interferes with realization of our true spiritual self is in opposition to the all-attractiveness of the supreme. When we think we're the supreme enjoyer, that we're the most beautiful, that we're the most attractive, or the strongest, or the wealthiest, and on and on. We could go down a laundry list of things we may think highly of ourselves in this world for, for attaining. It's not possible. We can have a little bit, but we can't have it all. But Krishna, he can't have it all. He does have it all. Moktaram yashna tapasam sarva lokamaheshwaram Everything here is about Krishna. Sounds like he's the new sheriff in town where he controls and makes the laws. He's not new though. He's the oldest sheriff in town. He's been the sheriff for longer than we can imagine. He's the supreme proprietor. He is the supreme enjoyer. But there's one other thing he is. He is the supreme friend of everyone. This conception is available through the agency of those people that are free of illusion. And there are certainly stages of religious practice that lead us to true spirituality over time. But for the most part, those conceptions are based more, as I said, on a conception of the Lord being an imposing influence on us than a liberating influence. For the most part, when we think of religion, we think of constraint. We don't think of freedom. As Sridhar Swami was saying, this is a different, this Krishna conception is a different conception. In this understanding, we look to the liberation of the living entity, the freedom from all constraints. And that freedom is based on love. The all-attractiveness of the Supreme attracts the heart of the living entity in love. So tonight in Bhagavad Gita, we're going to talk about how the Supreme extends his love to the living entities on this plane. Now we know from earlier in this chapter that the Lord sometimes comes himself when things go off track as far as this topmost loving understanding of the Supreme Lord. Krishna spoke about the fact that whenever and wherever there's a decline of religious practice, predominant rise of irreligion at that time, I advent myself. I, I come and I put things back on track. But Krishna sometimes, he may not manifest himself in order to accomplish that. And generally speaking, with the living entity in particular, those that have come to the human form of life, Krishna will give direct instruction tonight in Bhagavad Gita as to how one acquires this highest knowledge. So we're going to chant 434 and 
We'll discuss it at some length. It's such a significant instruction. And for the most part, an instruction that most religious practitioners don't have a complete understanding of. Tadvidi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekshanti te gyanam janinas tatvadarsina. Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master and inquire from him submissively and render service unto him, self-realized soul. Souls can impart knowledge unto you because they have seen the truth. Pramajana Trimanandasya Janajana Salakaya Chakshorin Militanyena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto, unto him. Both in singular and in plural. <laughs> this verse applies to both. It says both. We left off discussing the fact that there are so many approaches to the practice of sacrifice. Krishna is speaking earlier the fact that there's sacrifice of this, that, and another thing, all in the pursuit of spiritual advancement and different approaches according to different schools of yoga, uh, different approaches according to different traditions and different instructions received from different spiritual masters. Uh, imparted to students in different circumstances. So many things were mentioned, were they not? And we went over these just to spark your remembrance. Others who are interested in achieving self-realization through control of the mind and the senses. In verse 27, offer the functions of all the senses in the life air as oblations into the fire of the control mind. Having accepted strict vows, they become enlightened by sacrificing their possessions and others by performing severe austerities, by practicing the yoga of eightfold mysticism or by studying the Vedas to advance in transcendental knowledge. Still others who are inclined to the process of breath restraint to remain in trance practice by offering the movement of the outgoing breath into the incoming, and the incoming breath into the outgoing, and thus at last remain in trance, stopping all breathing. Others, curtailing the eating process, offer the outgoing breath into itself as a sacrifice. Krishna's giving all these indications of different types of sacrifice that help one advance in control of the mind and senses, which is a, a very solid place from which we can begin to pursue spiritual life. As long as the senses are pulling us to exploit nature and enjoy through them, and they're always dragging Look, there's something beautiful. There's the beautiful form of a woman. There's a beautiful form of a man. There's a beautiful sunset. There's a beautiful sound. 
something good to smell, something great to eat. Go to any large city, how many restaurants are there? The tongue is always looking for enjoyment. Oh, let me try this cooking or that cooking from that culture. And they always go out on the weekend. Oh, let's go out and eat. Spend a good portion to eat something. I can't have it at home. Not like this. This is special. Our senses are always pulling, pulling, pulling. Krishna is talking about all these different types of sacrifice done with the aim of reining in the senses, getting them under our control. And once we get the senses under control, then we can start to look inward. As long as the senses are dragging the living entity into the field of material enjoyment, how can he look in and see himself? What to speak of seeing the super soul of the Supreme Lord? We can't. All these sacrifices are there. Reign in the senses. Reign in the senses. Get them under control. Don't let them drag you around. Because in the material world, there is an endless variety of sense enjoyment. And just when you think you have it all, there'll be something else offered. It just keeps going on. And on and on. In this birth, in that body, in this body. In this body, the senses for this are better. And in that body, the senses for that are better. One thing you find in the Bhagavat, the pigeon is used as an example. And the big enjoyment on this plane is sex. People love to have sex. Pigeon can have sex hundreds of times a day. Usually it's the environment we live in that drag, uh, causes our senses to drag it. It's the environment and the environment's influence on the body. So if we go to the desert, or in the middle of the ocean. Or our desires are going to be totally different or the same or they're going to go away. They're not going to go away. The sense, the sense objects are there no matter what. We adapt. If there's anything that the living entity has down pat, it's the ability to adapt to the environment and figure out how to exploit it for sense gratification. Whether you're in the desert or in the forest, whether you fly in the sky or you burrow in the ground, you'll find some way to satisfy your senses. You just discovered natural gas. <laughs> we didn't know it was there. Anyway, we digress. And that's the way the senses are. They make us digress. They pull us out. So Krishna is saying, let's look at all the different sacrifices that people do to rein in the senses. And once the senses are reined in, then we can rein in the mind. And with the mind, we can use the intelligence to look inward. But it requires work. And in all these verses... The terminology Krishna discusses in relationship to this work of reigning in the senses is sacrifice. 
That's the means. That's the work that we do to reign in these senses. O best of the Kuru dynasty, this is text 31, without sacrifice one can never live happily on this planet or in this life. What then of the next? Unless we can perform sacrifice to control the tendency to go outward for enjoyment, we're not going to be happy. This is the Supreme Lord. He knows the way he made things. And he's making it very clear. If you can't perform sacrifice, if you can't rein in the senses through the process of yoga, there's all kinds of yogas here. And here I've just touched upon a few of them. The Stanga yoga, this yoga, pranayam. He's touched upon a, a few different yogas here. Or the yogas of knowledge, studying the Vedas. Some people don't perform the, the meditation. Some of them don't perform the, the breath constraints. Some of them don't perform the bodily constraints. They just use their mind and, and study scripture, the Veda. That's their sacrifice. All these sacrifices somehow or other help to rein in from inward to make us look inward and stop going outward for exploitive pleasure. All these different types of sacrifices are approved in the Vedas. The ones that he's mentioned here, they're approved. They're sanctioned. The pranayam, the study of the Vedas, the giving in sacrifice, the performing fire sacrifices, the offer of oblations into the fire. All approved in the Vedas. And all of them are born of different types of work. Different types of work are born of different material circumstances. Different material circumstances are born of the living entities being influenced by the modes of material nature. What do they say? Different strokes for different folks. The living entity within the material world, he has a certain propensity. And all these different sacrifices are put forth in the Vedas so that everybody can be drawn into this practice of sacrifice so they can purify themselves. So that they can draw in their senses and start looking within. Knowing them as such, you will become liberated. One thing that's amazing about Bhagavad Gita Again and again, Krishna explains, if you can simply hear from me and understand Sambandha. Sambandha is what? How things fit together. The inner relationship within this realm of material existence. If you can understand Sambandha, the inner relationships of how things work under my direction in this material world, you will become liberated. That's pretty nice. I like that. If we can just understand this knowledge. Also in Bhagavad Gita, what's he say? One who understands the transcendental nature of my appearance and disappearance never has to take birth again. You understand my birth 
not being bound by the laws of material nature, if you can simply understand my transcendental nature, that in itself is sufficient that you're never going to have to take birth. So many benedictions are there just by understanding sambandha, inner relationships. O chastiser of the enemy, the sacrifice performed in knowledge is better than the mere sacrifice of material possessions. After all, O son of Prita, all sacrifices of work culminate in transcendental knowledge. Transcendental knowledge. Transcendental. What's that mean? Not influenced by this material nature. Spiritual knowledge. Higher knowledge. Knowledge coming from the transcendental realm. A sound vibration that's not made on this plane of mundane existence. Then we come to this verse. So after speaking about all these different sacrifices, then some specific direction is given. If you want to properly understand spiritual knowledge in all these different areas that are all approved by the Vedas, you have to get a good teacher. Tadvidi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadakshanti te jnanam janinas tatvadarsina. And in approaching that teacher, there's only three requirements on your part. What are the requirements? Pranipatena. First one. You have to approach submissively. You have to come with a little bit of humility before someone who has knowledge. I'm going to read a little something from Sridhar who, when he talks about approaching a spiritual master, he dwells on these three words. Pranipratena, Pariprashnena, inquire submissively. We inquire, but we inquire wanting to know. We inquire with some true need to, to want to understand and the key, sevaya, with some service. In fact, even if you don't have the other two, the sevaya can pull you through. Of course, you have to approach. There's no question of doing service without approaching, so they all go together. So I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Sridhar Swami in regards to this verse. So this is his translation. Tadvidi pranipate na pariprashnena sevaya upadakshanti te jnanam janinas tatvadarsina. Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master, inquire from him submissively, and render service unto him. The self-realized souls can impart knowledge unto you because they have seen the truth. I'll just read a little bit of this. Real dedication. The most important thing is the standard and that must come from a real plane, not a vitiated plane, an ordinary plane, a vulnerable plane. Tadvidi pranipate na pariprashnena sevaya, jnanam janinas. 
Tatvadarsina. It must come from a plane where these two qualifications exist, jnana and tatvadarsi, the conception and also the practical application. Both qualifications must be there to derive the standard of what is right and what is wrong. Jnana, knowledge, we have to have knowledge, but we need to know how to apply the knowledge. The knowledge in and of itself is not going to get you there. You have to apply yourself utilizing that knowledge. Our attitude also should be of such type, pariprasnena, pariprasnena sevaya. Pranipat means to surrender to such knowledge. That is not an ordinary class of knowledge that we can objectify. It is super subjective. Pranipat, we must surrender. We want something that is superior to us. We want him, the absolute subject, not an objective thing. Pranipat also means that we are finished with the experience of the world outside. We have no more interest of anything in the plane where we have traveled already. Pranipat, we offer ourselves exclusively at his altar and we want to have his grace. In this mood, we approach the higher knowledge. Pariprasna, honest inquiry, is always allowed. But inquire sincerely, not with the inclination to discuss in the mood of Tarka, argument. All our efforts should be concentrated on understanding in a positive direction, leaving behind the state of doubt or suspicion. With all attention, we should try to understand because it is coming from a higher plane. Sevaya, this is the most important thing. We will not receive that knowledge simply to utilize the experience for our benefit. That plane won't come to serve this lower plane. We must pledge to serve that plane. With this attitude, we approach that plane, that sort of knowledge. We shall serve him, that higher knowledge, and we won't try to make him serve our lower plane. That selfish desire won't allow us to enter his domain. The real knowledge won't descend. It won't come to serve this lower plane. Rather, we shall have the fullest conviction that we must offer ourselves to be realized by him and not that we shall try to utilize the received knowledge in our own way to satisfy any lower purpose. If we receive that knowledge, we must serve. I think you could also go on to say if you receive that knowledge, what is that service? Like we read earlier, the service is to enter into that realm of beauty 
And the only way into that realm is by service. And if we look to this word service, what is the core of any service? It has to have love. It has to have truth. It has to have beauty. Service without those components is simply slavery. We won't enter that realm with a slave's mentality. That may be a harsh statement, but I have to say that we will not enter this higher Krishna conception with the slave's mentality of religiosity. We are not meant to be Krishna's slaves, although he is the supreme enjoyer, although he is the supreme proprietor. Primarily, he is the supreme lover, the supreme friend. Although there is a sense of service there, the service must be performed with some bhakti, with some love. Now we can, there are, there are conceptions where there is not this deeper understanding of this higher plane of beauty and love in spirituality where there is awe and reverence and appreciation of opulence over love, but this is not the Krishna conception. The Krishna conception consists of this higher plane of pure love and sweetness dominating. Tadvidi pranipate na pari prashnena sevaya. Pranipate na pari prashnena. There has been much, much misconception in the institution of my spiritual master when it comes to the position of guru. And right after his disappearance, right out of the gate, as his disciples, we got it wrong, the majority of us. <laughs> or we followed those that got it wrong. And even now, the conception and the approach to guru through my spiritual master's institution, there's still a struggle but at least they're moving in the right direction of the proper conception. But we must understand the Sambandha of Guru Tattva. And the Sambandha of Guru Tattva is these three items. Pranipatena, Pariprashtena, and Sevaya. We must approach with some humility and sincerity and any other approach will not be of any value. We must come forth with sincere inquiries wanting to solve the problem of material existence. Any other approach will not give us the highest result. And there has to be service. And service is so important. Sometimes even when the full knowledge is not there, when full understanding is not there, even when the right conception is lacking, the service will carry us 
from that plane, the spiritual master, those spiritual masters that are acting today for our benefit and also all the different gurus. We have this three-part verification of transcendental knowledge. Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. We'll deal with that next week because it's already late. I know you wanted to read something in relationship. That would be more appropriate next week. Uh, regarding Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. But one of the most important aspects of what Sridhar Swami said is the fact that there has to be that service and also the spiritual master has to be at a level of transcendental transcendence, not influenced by the modes of material nature. So I want to close giving a little bit of indication of that. And I want to discuss this verse over two or three weeks. And the reason that we need to hear the proper conception of Guru Tattva is this is the primary principle that carries forward transcendental knowledge. If this Krishna conception that Sridhar spoke of earlier is going to go forth. If we're going to carry it forth, it is carried forth by parampara, perfect teacher, taking the student, the student acting on his instruction, purifying himself. His purification leads to him, him becoming a perfect spiritual master, and it's a perfect chain. But the links have to be strong. And that means proper, the proper conception has to be there for the parampara to go forward. Otherwise, what happens? Exactly what Krishna said in the beginning of the chapter. The conception of religion is lost. The proper conception of spirituality is lost. Just one final word on that I want you to think about. As I said, we're going to cover this topic pretty deeply because it's so important to our spiritual life. And it's important not only for our own spiritual lives. I realize many here have already found the bona fide spiritual master and surrendered to him and are rendering service and inquiring and advancing in their spiritual life under his good direction. But... The full conception has to be there so that we can give good guidance ourselves. This is the fulfillment of the obligation to our spiritual master requires that we purify ourselves with the proper conception and that we become perfect ourselves to become spiritual masters. In this life or a hundred lives, that is a responsibility of the disciple. That is the key to this Harinam Sankirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya. By my command, being guru, save the land. In whatever capacity of guru, and there's different gurus. 
We may not be all accepting disciples. We may just simply be giving good guidance or giving good friendship or showing good service. When we see a devotee acting responsibly and serving, aren't they our guru? They're teaching us by their example. They may not even have to say a word. We can simply see in their life the way they serve. And the serve is more important than the word. They go hand in hand, but example is more important. So that's spoken of in the nectar of the nectar of instruction, Upadeshamrita, which was penned by Srila Rupa Goswami. Uh, not a lot of verses there, but very condensed knowledge for us. The fourth verse talks about interpersonal loving relationships between one devotee and another. But the verse that we're going to study a little bit tonight in closing is the next verse after that. So just to summarize, we as Vaishnavas exchange love with one another in six ways. We give charity and we accept charity. We give prasadam, we accept prasadam. We inquire submissively and we confidentially give good direction. So that's the fourth verse of Nectar of Instruction. The fifth verse tells us that even in rendering that loving service to the Vaishnavas, there's a little discrimination. And this is how Srila Rupa Goswami tells us to make that discrimination. One should mentally honor the devotee who chants the holy name of Krishna. One should offer humble obeisances to the devotee who has undergone spiritual initiation, diksha, and is engaged in worshiping the deity. And one should associate with and faithfully serve that pure devotee who has advanced in undeviated devotional service and whose heart is completely devoid of the propensity to criticize others. That's the qualification of the topmost devotee. Completely devoid of the propensity. Not that you just don't do it. That's one thing to just force yourself, I'm not going to criticize anybody, or at least not in public. My mind's going to go, you know, but I'm not going to say anything. That may be there. That's a beginning. It's a good start. But this is talking about the propensity. The pure devotee is so pure at heart, he doesn't even have the propensity to criticize another person. Well, how can he be a guru if he can't rectify the wrongs? Yeah, well, that's his special characteristic. He sometimes comes down from that platform of not criticizing to bless us with criticism for our own good. He doesn't have the propensity to find fault, but he'll criticize us so that we will become faultless. So next, uh, next week I'll read you the part of the purport of Bhaktivedanta Swami to this important verse in regards to the discrimination as to how we exchange love with devotees. In other words, we have to discriminate of who we take shelter of. So I'm going to go into a little bit next week 
this particular thing in relationship to accepting a spiritual master from all the different devotees, we have to seek out good guidance. So in this purport, that is dealt with by Bhaktivedanta. And we'll also touch upon the other thing of the qualification of guru. The most important qualification of guru of being in complete conformity with sadhu and shastra. His approach, the way he delivers the message, the way he employs his disciples according to their cultural background is going to differ from time to time and place to place. Undoubtedly. We, with our mentality, may see some something that is not... We can't understand how that instruction is the same as that instruction, given in a different time and a different place. But the spiritual master, he's able to harmonize those things so the disciple can see the significance of the principles of devotional practice as opposed to the details. So I'll stop there. It's the ultimate, well not ultimate, but just the master harmonizer in that regard as far as time and circumstance, as far as a model of 